0: Or maybe I should say that our expectations many times exceed what life is supposed to be. And things don't always end up going the way that we thought. Can I get my slides up? Jesus, at this point in the Gospel of John, we're in John chapter 12. Turn there with me. Jesus has performed some major miracles during his public ministry. Um, John has described seven of them for the purpose of helping his readers to believe in this first half of the gospel that we've gone through. And chapter 12 is a kind of a transitionary chapter leading to the rest of the gospel. The rest of the gospel from chapters 13 to chapter, um, well, 20 or so really is covered is like five days John takes seven chapters to cover about five days, which is the last five days of Jesus's life. And then obviously we have John 21 in there as well, which is after Jesus has been resurrected. But um, even though Jesus's miracles have been um, quite public up to this point, he has kept his identity uh, relatively private. We can all remember different passages where Jesus performs a miracle and he tells whomever has been healed Basically, don't tell anybody about this, right? And then they go off and they run and they tell people about it and it brings trouble into his ministry. Well, this kind of dynamic of Jesus keeping his identity hidden uh, changes in this particular passage. Um, and I think what we're going to learn from here is that Jesus is our king, but he may not be the king that we expect. And so when things are not the way that we expect, we tend to miss the point that we 're supposed to be getting, and so uh, today, my prayer is that we do not miss our king Jesus, and my prayer is that we see Jesus as he truly is amen, amen. let 's pray god you are um, you are a king, and uh, you 've sent Jesus to be our king he 's royalty he 's holy, he deserves to be praised, he deserves to be worshiped and honored and father you deserve subjects people who are more than willing to bow our own necks and bow our own knees to to serve the king in a humble way help us to know our places but most importantly help us to know jesus's place as king in our life and even though we may be disappointed uh, distracted or confused by life not Meeting the expectations that we have. God, uh, we just pray this morning, Father, that we would not miss Jesus in the process. Please open our eyes. Your servants are listening at this point, Father, and let us hear from your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. John chapter 12, starting in verse 12, says the next day, At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him, when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world... Has gone after him. Just two points this morning. Uh, the first is a different kind of king, a different kind of king. Again, Jesus, up to this point, had really kept his identity hidden. In John chapter seven, if you remember, before he went to the Festival of Tabernacles, uh, Jesus' brothers were basically kind of kind of uh, getting on him and saying, "Listen, if you want to be this great public figure," Why don't you go down to the festival? Why don't you show yourself to the world? Why don't you make things really obvious, really plain, really public, and get all the followers that you need? And Jesus, in essence, said, my time is not yet. And in verse six, it says, my time is not yet here for you. Any time will do. And in verse eight, my time is not yet fully come. And so Jesus was fully in control of his ministry Fully in control of when and how he would reveal himself to the world publicly. And so he chooses to do this with the triumphal entry. As Jesus and his disciples leave Bethany and they make their way to Jerusalem for Passover, um, Jesus sends out two of his disciples to get a young donkey that he would eventually ride upon. And so what Jesus is doing has been calculated. It's been premeditated. He's doing it on purpose John's gospel doesn't doesn't record all the different details. You find that in Matthew. You find that in in Luke and in Mark. Um, But from reading John, it just seems like, oh, this just kind of happened spontaneously. But Jesus actually planned this moment out so that he could be revealed to the world in this particular way. He gets the donkey. um, And as they reach the top of the Mount of Olives, they get there. And the crowd has come from Jerusalem because they've heard that Jesus is on his way. And they're there and they're shouting, they're singing, they're waving palm branches for Jesus. They're laying their cloaks on the ground so that Jesus could pass over top of those cloaks. And this is where we get Palm Sunday from. That's, what, that's what's going on here is Palm Sunday. It's the Sunday before Easter, one week before Easter. And the palm branches are significant because two years before Jesus, there was a, a revolt. The Jews had revolted. ...against the Syrians at the time, a guy named um, Simon Maccabeus. You may have heard of the Maccabean Revolt before. But he basically delivers Israel out of Syria's hands. And as he comes back into Jerusalem, all of the Jews are there waving palm branches. And so uh, the Jews here see Jesus as the next deliverer, the next conqueror, the next one that would uh, liberate them from the hands of the Romans. And so they go out there waving palm branches... In the exact same way that they had done 200 years before. Now this, believe it or not, becomes kind of a threat to the Roman government. Because palm branches at the time meant insurrection. It meant we're kind of stirring stuff up. We're about to go do something here. And we're going to overthrow the government. And so that's what those palm branches would have done. They were actually placing themselves in danger by the Romans by waving those palm branches at the time. So... Even though uh, these guys worshipped Jesus in this way, they worshipped him as a king, um, that isn't necessarily what they got in Jesus Christ. They were looking for someone to free them and to take care of them in this life, temporally, physically, here and now. But what they got instead was a suffering servant who was going to release them from the tyranny of sin in the next life. And many times, life really does not turn out the way that we expect. We sing the song, you know, troubles come my way, Jesus, he will fix it, right? We sing that song and we expect Jesus to fix it, but we forget the rest of the verse that says, after a while, after a while, Jesus will fix it. It's very open-ended when that's going to happen. And so we want Jesus to heal us of our earthly troubles in the same way that these Jews, when they worshiped Jesus with the palm branches, did. They even shout Hosanna. as a quote from Psalm 118. Hosanna means save, but specifically Hosanna means save now, not save later, save now. And so that's what they were shouting for Jesus, and their hopes were fueled by these witnesses of, of Lazarus Being raised, they were all kind of in in a frenzy after hearing about Jesus doing doing this incredible miracle, and here he comes riding over the mountain, and this is going to be awesome. He's going to free us. They figured if he can raise Lazarus, then just imagine what he can do for our nation. Unfortunately, just five days later, Jesus goes to the cross on Good Friday, and their hopes are dashed. Imagine. You're hoping, praying, expecting, right, for this great deliverer so that you don't live under the hand of the Romans anymore. And as this deliverer comes on into Jerusalem over a period of the next three, four, five days, you see this man being persecuted. Eventually, he's whipped, he's flogged, tortured, in a sense, and dies on a cross. And so their hopes were dashed. Their dreams were crushed. The same kind of letdown feeling that you feel when you go to that hyped up movie. And it's not as good as he thought it was going to be. When you go through the Popeye's drive through and the chicken sandwich isn't as good as he thought it was going to be. That letdown, right? is what they experienced and it's what they felt. If we follow Jesus only for what he can give us in this life... We are setting ourselves up for major disappointment, and we're setting our faith up to be shaken to the core. These same guys who are shouting Hosanna on Sunday are shouting crucify him on Friday because their hopes have been dashed, because their expectations have not been met of Jesus Christ. I've talked with the brothers about the challenges that I've been going through for the last couple of years now. And uh, I haven't really talked much openly with the church. I've, I've mentioned in passing um, phrases the term midlife crisis. I wasn't supposed to say that. I told Leslie this morning, I said, I'm not going to say that phrase, honey. But <laughs> but I feel like, now listen, my life is not bad. My life is great. God has blessed my life, Okay. But I think for me, you've heard of unrelenting standards before, right? My expectations, I think, for my life are just so high and at times just so um, out of whack that I can feel a sense of letdown from not getting the things that I want. I, I always thought, you know, that I would always feel God's presence in my life. That I would always um, emotionally feel connected to God, like he's constantly right there with me. I've realized over the last 24 or 5 some odd years as being a Christian that I don't always feel that. There's times when I feel distant from God, when I feel like, where are you? Where did you go? You were just there yesterday, and now you're not there anymore. There's times when I, I, I have always thought that I always want to see something amazing happening. Like every single day I expect to see something great. Th- that doesn't happen, or at least not in my life. And I've experienced letdown from that. I always had the thoughts that, hey, I mean, twenty, what, twenty, twenty-four years, the world should be evangelized by now, right? That's what I'd always expected. Like, I mean, this can't be that hard. One disciple tells another, tells another, tells another. Eight billion people, that's going to be done lickety split. That doesn't happen quite like that. Um, people have their own free will, and some, many people choose to not respond to the gospel. You know, and, and Leslie and I, we have a great relationship, fantastic marriage, fantastic family, but it's not perfect. It's not perfect. And there's areas there where I feel like, again, not because of Leslie, not because of Brooke or Anthony, but just because of my own unrelenting standards where I feel like expectations have not been met. And so I feel a lot of these things and have been feeling a lot of these things for a couple of years now. This year has been a whole lot better. I mean, I feel like, you know, I see the light at the end of the tunnel. That light is getting closer and closer. And it's not a train. It's It's a good thing, right? It's a good thing that's happening. But life doesn't always turn out the way that you expect it to. And so I think we all have to consider that. Consider these Jews who expected one thing of Jesus but got something else. Uh, Because of their letdown, they turned on Jesus. And not only did they turn on him, they turned away from him. We can't let our faith be like that. Because of our unrelenting standards. Because of our unreasonable expectations of life and of God and of Jesus. And when we don't get those things, turn away from him. Do you see what I'm saying here? We can't be that way. Think about the things that you want or have wanted Jesus to do for you in this life. And then consider, but what if you get seriously ill? How does that or could that change what you're expecting Jesus to do? What if you lose your job? What if you've lost your job? What if you suffer a a severe financial setback? How is that going to affect your life? How's that going to affect your retirement? How's that going to affect your children's college education? What if someone like Bernie Madoff makes off with all of your money? What are you going to do then? What if your children don't turn out the way that you want them to? We all have great visions for our children, right? And, And our children are awesome, they're great but sometimes they just don't come out the way that we wanted and expected. Right? I mean, you've got your mold, you've got your thing that you want them to be like, like this. And sometimes they're like that. And not to say that that is a bad thing. Sometimes that is just simply different. What if your children turn against you? What if you never have children or grandchildren? What if you don't get married? What if your marriage does not turn out to be this ideal storybook romance that you envisioned it at one time to be? We got to think about those things. And we got to realize that our our hopes cannot be in this life. Our hopes cannot be in what Jesus is going to do for us today. Or before I die. Our hope has to be in the next life. And amen. I pray that all of us get all the stuff that we want from Jesus. But if we do not get it. We can't turn our backs on Jesus. And we can't experience. Well we. Okay. I'll give you the freedom to experience some letdown. But you can't experience so much letdown. That you turn from him. Do you see what I'm saying? Life doesn't always turn out the way that we expect it. That's what this crowd had to deal with, a different kind of king. A king that gave to them in a different way, a king that served them in a different way than they expected. They had to go through crushed dreams, dashed hopes, no deliverance from the Romans. We can experience the same thing, but we've got to see Jesus from the right perspective. Amen. Point number two, don't miss your king. Don't miss your king. Again, verse 14, Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. As it is written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified, Did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him? And so these things, things didn't turn out the way that the 12 expected them to be either. They'd been with Jesus for three years now. Jesus hadn't done anything up to this point to purposely popularize himself in front of the Jewish people. And so as they're heading up the Mount of Olives on their way to Jerusalem... They didn't expect a crowd of people there with palm branches and laying down cloaks and singing Hosanna and everything else. They were trying to get into Jerusalem incognito. Remember, Jesus was, had a death wish out on him. They wanted to kill Jesus. The disciples barely wanted to go back to Jerusalem because they thought they were going to die with Jesus. And so as they get there and there's all of this fanfare... They didn't understand it. They didn't get it. Why are we going into Jerusalem with all this fanfare, with all this publicity? Don't we need to stay low-key, It's probably what they thought. Why is he riding the donkey that we just got for him into Jerusalem? And we thought this was Rabbi Jesus. Why is everybody treating him all of a sudden like a king? And so the disciples missed their king... Until Jesus was glorified, probably on the road to Emmaus when Jesus broke open the scriptures and started to kind of break down everything to him. But they didn't realize these things. They didn't realize that Jesus was fulfilling Psalm 118. Psalm 118, a portion of it says in verse 17, I will not die, but live. This is direct reference to Jesus and will proclaim what the Lord has done. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open for me the gates of righteousness, and I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. Remember, Jesus said, I am the gate. Verse 22 of Psalm 118. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Verse 24, the Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Lord, save us, or hosanna is the Hebrew word. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we will bless you. When he sat on the donkey, they didn't realize that Jesus was fulfilling Zechariah chapter 9. Jesus didn't come as a a war fighting king. Jesus came as a peace loving king. A stallion is a symbol for war, right? Shield, sword, armor. He could have gotten to the mount of the top of Mount Olives and, you know, been on his horse and, you know, had all of his guys come kind of lining up on top of Mount Olives like we're ready to run over this place. He could have could have done that, but he didn't. He came on a donkey. A donkey was a symbol of peace. When kings went into cities to broker peace agreements, they came in on donkeys to show that they were harmless, to show that they were no threat to the public of that city. The thing about the twelve, they misjudged it just like the crowd misjudged it. The crowd misjudged it in a um, negative way, I guess. It wasn't as good as they expected. The disciples misjudged it in the opposite way. It was actually better than they expected. They saw and they thought Jesus, again, Rabbi Jesus, we've been hanging out with him for three years. I'm not expecting all this fanfare. And they didn't realize that Jesus was the king. And so things, at times when things are not as the way that we expect them, sometimes things can be worse than we expect them to be but sometimes things can be better than the way that we expect them to be and sometimes i don't know if you're like me when things are better than i expect them to be my little thing little thing kind of like clicks off in my mind like no, 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 no. i'm not gonna believe that did any of you guys get that virginia taxation check in the mail you're 110 right in the mail the, the brothers talked, somebody talked to me about that the other morning. It was, it was Mike Powers or somebody or, or Carl, one of the two, talked about the Virginia check, right? I got home and I'm thinking, ooh, we got us a Virginia check. This is going to be great. But the first thing in my mind was, but mine is not going to be $110. Because that's just too good to be true. Now we opened it, we got $220, right? It was better than I expected. It was like an awesome thing. But when things are better than you expect, many times you can think, it's too good to be true. And I'm not going to believe this. I'm not going to invest myself into this. I'm not going to give my heart to this thing because it's just too good. And I'm here to tell you this morning, as good as you think God is, he's way better than that. And many times I soothe myself in my quiet times. And I'll just do a little mental exercise and I'll just try to imagine, like, how good could God really, really be? Like, how much could He really, really love me? He's given me Jesus. Romans says, How will He not also graciously give us all things? I read that for me, I think, Nah, that ain't true. But then I think, Wait a minute, let me just think about it. He's given me Jesus. Jesus is like the king of the entire universe. Jesus is worth more than the universe. That means God is willing to give me the universe. Whoo! The universe? Is God really that good? What if there's other universes? Would he give me five universes? I mean, I just kind of work through all this stuff in my mind until I kind of get to the point of where I feel like I just can't even imagine God being any better than that. And then I stop and I pause and I say, Tony... He's much better than that. He's way better than that. And I just kind of sit back and I just let my mind be blown. It's like. (laughs) When we don't capture the good things, we we miss things. Just like the the, the 12 did. They they, they missed it. Jesus was, was like there in their presence. They should have been rejoicing, too. They should have been like, this is the king. Like, oh my goodness, this is so incredible. Savoring the moment. Relishing it. Have you ever heard of the term being a Christian hedonist before? No. One hand went up. <laughs> it's two hands went up. It's the simple thought of it's okay to bask in the glory and the richness and the goodness and the love. Of God, it's okay. I mean, think of it as like lotion, just kind of putting it all on your body, all on your face, like as much as you want. Good lotion, as much as you want. <laughs> you want that cheap dollar store lotion? That stuff just kind of soaks right into your skin. You need some stuff that sticks around a little bit. But anyway. We have to savor our relationship. That's the what I'm trying to say. We have to savor our relationships with God and not miss our king. Because he's better than we expect. Don't miss that. In the passage that you guys would have read last week, Mary pours out the perfume on Jesus. She's lavish She's extravagant, right? And uh, Judas and the other disciples say, what are you doing? Like, they had much more practical things in mind for that perfume. This money could have been given to the poor. And it could have fed all these different people because that was a year's wages. And practically speaking, that's very true. They could have fed a whole lot of people with that money. But Jesus doesn't say, you know what, Mary? They're right. Stop being so extravagant. Stop savoring this moment. Stop relishing in your love for me, Mary, and do the practical thing. Go and serve the poor. You know what Jesus says? Leave her alone. Let her enjoy this moment. And that's what we've got to do. Many people say, you're too committed to Jesus. You're too overboard. Too much church, Too much Bible reading. Why are you so in love with Jesus? Like you an extra Christian. Right? Why are you so extra? I'm glad to be extra for Jesus. I'm glad to be extra. I want to be even more extra. Bring on more perfume. Bring on more good lotion. I'm ready. I want to savor everything I've got in my relationship with God. We can't miss out on how He redeems our lives from the pit and crowns us with love and compassion. We can't miss out on how He forgives all our sins and heals all our diseases. We can't miss out on how He does not treat us as our sins deserve, but removes our transgressions from us as far as the East is from the West. Don't miss out on this. We can't miss out on how his love for those who fear him is as high as the heavens are above the earth. How high is high? We can't miss out on how he's able to do incredibly more than all we can ask or imagine. Don't miss your king. Savor Jesus. Savor the forgiveness that you have in him. Savor your salvation in this relationship with God. I'm closing. I think. Yes, I am closing. Okay, here we go. Now, lastly, verse 19, it says, So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Things didn't turn out the way that the Pharisees expected either, right? Right? They thought that their death wish on Jesus was just going to throw a great big wet blanket on all the party, all the festivities, right? No one would be happy. But they're out there. They're full of excitement. They're waving their palm branches, screaming Hosanna and, and other passages in the Gospels. The Pharisees tell Jesus, Rabbi, rebuke your disciples. And what does Jesus say? If I tell them to be quiet, even the stones will cry out, right? Right. Ain't no rock going to stand in my place. That's what the disciples would have said. They kept right on praising Jesus with no inhibitions. No inhibitions. Put up my last slide for me, please. So this week in our campaign, we have a weekly focus. And this week's focus is to get rid of your inhibitions to make Jesus known everywhere. And invite more people than ever before. Invite more people than ever before. To next week's Bring Your Neighbor Day service. This is a great opportunity for us to let our love for God overflow. Uh, Let it pour out into the streets. Let it pour out into our workplaces and our neighborhoods. Let it pour out into our family relationships. And let people know how good God is. And to let them know that he's even better Than that, Amen? Amen. Things are not always as you would expect. Jesus is our king, but he may not be the king that you think. He's a different kind of king. And instead of a warrior king who delivers from the problems of of this life, Jesus is the peaceful king who delivers from our most troubling spiritual problem, which is sin. And so don't follow him for what you want him to do for you in this life. You're setting yourself up for major disappointment. Follow Him for who He is the Messiah, the King. And follow Him for what you can do for Him, how you can serve Him, and you'll always be satisfied. Don't miss your King because He's better than you expected. Relish and delight in God and His goodness and appreciate what you have in Jesus. And this week, let's tell the world, look, your king is coming. Amen.